We are live. Oh, shit. With Mo Gangat. You know, actually, Adam, I'm going to give you the proper Indian pronunciation. I'm from India, by the way. Oh. It's Gangat. Oh, okay. That makes sense. If, if you're from New England, like me, you might say it like Gangat. Because we tend Gangat. to make the eh sound for all of our A's. Every single person who has ever pronounced my name has said Gangat. Yeah. And I actually, sometimes I will introduce myself and I will say, my name is Mohammed Gangat, not Gangat, because I know it's way easier for you people to say Gangat. <laughs> right. Well, that's good. It's good that you're tolerating all of us ignorant white people. Yeah. Well, you got to if you're Indian yeah. in America. Otherwise, you just be in your feelings and you can't live life. I met a lot of, uh, well, a handful of Indian poker players when I was at the World Series, and they said that the poker scene is actually coming up fast out there in India. Shit. I didn't hear. You a good poker player? I'm out here. Yo, I killed it my first time in poker. Beginner's luck, I guess. And then since then, I haven't been able to really catch that again. It's a very, very tricky game. It I'll is. put it that way. Um, so everybody, I feel like everybody probably knows. Mo is like the hip-hop lawyer at this point, don't you think? The guy. Yo, I got to tell everybody, I am living a dream. I, I went to law school, went to Georgetown Law School, and then I became a corporate lawyer. And we did horrible things and useless things. Like, <laughs> that's what's happening in most corporate law firms around America. Two right. things, like horrible things or useless things. When you say horrible, you mean basically like frivolous uses of the legal system to extract money from people or what? Yeah, exactly. Mm. People who have money and power using the legal system to screw people who don't. Right. That's, that was my experience. And, so, And you went into being a lawyer thinking that you were going to be making the world a better place and then you get this reality check all right so i, I went to law school because i messed up in undergrad and i had to go to a professional school if i wanted to get a real paying job so then when i went to law school i was like yeah i'll be noble i'll do like criminal law or some shit cool and then i'll fight for like common people and then and then i saw the money they were giving corporate lawyer i went to georgetown so everybody gets like big bags to come work in corporate law mm. so i took the bag and then you know, very quickly, I, I got I got fired because they were like, yo, you want to be here, Mo? I was like, not really. <laughs> they could tell they could tell you didn't want to be there. Yeah. Because so at a law firm, what you're going to do is you're going to bill your hours. So, right. So every day you're going to say I did an hour on this case, 20 minutes on this case. So at the end of the year, they'll look at my hours compared to everybody else. And I'm like way at the bottom. Right. So I got out of that. And then I started bouncing around looking for what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do, what I'm going to do. And lo and behold, Eight years later, I have my own law firm. I have multiple lawyers who work for me. I have a whole team of support staff. We do a type of case that I love. We represent workers who get screwed by their job in any one of a number of ways. It pays the bills. Hence the workers for lawyers. Hence the lawyer for workers. Right, lawyer for workers, sorry. And I've literally freed up space in my life to go out and do something that I love, which is follow these criminal law cases and learn and I'm grooming myself to now go ahead and make that leap where my employment law firm is built, done, self-sufficient, and I'm ready to go ahead and do trial work in big cases because I've got the experience and the know-how. I'm still working on it. I'm going to need probably five more years. Really interesting. So when you're like following these cases extremely closely, anybody who's seen you on Vlad or whatever knows that you're basically up on the details of all the top hip-hop cases even though you're not actually a lawyer involved in these cases is that marketing is this just like your idea of like a social media campaign that could blow up the other part of your business yes 
<laughs> I guessed it. I guessed it. <laughs> right. When, when did that idea come about, and like, how did this take form? Because I'm sure it didn't look exactly like what it looks like right now when you first started, right? No, that idea was organic. That idea was, you know, I'm in and around these courthouses, and then here's six nine. He's going to be in this courthouse. And then I'm thinking about it, and I'm just kind of putting it together in real time. And I'm like, oh, wait, but if he's going to be in this courthouse right now, the way it works is nobody else is really going to be allowed to be in the courthouse with any type of electronic communications. So then if I'm sitting inside, when I walk out, I will be the first person who could just go and say exactly what happened in there. Now, I went in there, and and it was like, wow, a lot of shit happens in here. Right. So I came out, and I had like you know a four or six-minute instagram post and the shit went super viral and then i decided you know right then and there that for two reasons i'm going to do this one this is going to be my ticket to becoming the lawyer that the you know billionaire's son on park avenue wakes up in bed and there's a woman next to him and there's blood all over the sheets and they got to call fucking you're the first person who pops into mind if i caught a case in new york Who's going to pop into my head? It's like, oh, that's the first person I should hit up. So, I, so I said, I'm going to use this to, to build myself. I'm not that person. He's not going to call me right now. Right. But I'm going to be around these cases. I'm going to learn from these cases. And I'm going to become that guy. And then in the meantime, I'm going to use this to build my brand, to be able to support myself as I, as I go on that journey to live out my dream, man, of being, you know, Perry Mason and this motherfucker. Let me tell you something about criminal law. Let me tell you something about what happened in the courtroom today. Okay, yeah. Because today, for those who are watching this later on, NBA young young boy was found not guilty on the first, I believe, of two federal cases regarding the weapons possession by a felon or whatever arrest. You you can explain it better than me. He was on trial in California, Central District Court of California, Los Angeles County, for being a felon in possession of a firearm. So he's got a prior felony, and under the federal laws, he's not allowed to have a firearm on him. Um, And what happened in that courtroom is what makes uh, courtroom dramas, what makes being a lawyer so cool. Everything about being a lawyer is trash, except this. This is the only part that's cool. I, I just tell you right now. Is, is seeing the suspense and, and the unfolding of the details at the end of this long process? It's the ability to persuade. Mm. The ability to take somebody who might think one thing, might think another thing, might think nothing, and get them to think your way. Right. And that's not going to happen in most areas, or it's not going to happen in a noble way in most areas. So in the context of criminal law, when we have a defendant whose literal freedom is on the line— your ability to persuade means something. Right. If you represent, uh, I don't know, let's take, for example, a corporation that's looking to lay off masses of employees and do it in the cheapest way possible, and they want you to give them a little bit of a breakdown of how they can do it to pay people the least on their way out the door, and you're going to go use your persuasive skills to make that happen, that's not useful. And that's, that's the kind of stuff that you were doing previously? No, that was a hypothetical example. Okay. <laughs> but, but that's the kind of stuff that <laughs> lawyers guy. end up having to do, basically, if you want to make yeah. a lot of money in this game. One of the, I mean, you can put your skills to many uses, right? And so in the criminal context, it's incredibly noble because you know regardless of what side you're on you are fulfilling the public service of hey man there's going to be crimes in our society and we're going to accuse people and we need a fucking system for that to all play out Mm. and if you're a part of that system and you're a good part of it 
that's very respectable. And that's what happened in this courtroom. The lawyers went and they put on their case and there was 12 guys in a box, 12 men and women in a box, and they decided. And I'll tell you something, they were a jury of NBA Young Boys peers. It was mm -hmm. Los Angeles County. I saw the folks who were part of the pool. I saw the folks who were picked. I was disappointed in the number of African-Americans who were part of the juror pool. I tweeted about this. 8% of Los Angeles County is African-American. You would expect about four to five or six of 50 potential jurors then to be African-American. I couldn't tell simply by looking at the people in the room, right, Adam? I don't know if, right. right, but you guys know me. I'm a smart guy, and I have some common sense, and I could tell, hey, we have one black gentleman, we have one white gentleman. I saw the 50 people in that room. There was maybe one black potential juror. Wow. Wow. So, and there should have been more. And, and I, I, as a, a media problem, this is a problem that we have to fix, which is an awareness amongst everybody about jury duty and how important it is when you get that summons and that mm. notice to show up. Yet and still, I will say, of the 12 people who were picked, the 50 overall, Los Angeles County, those folks look like a representative jury of his peers. I don't know if this would have been the same in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, right. but I was very satisfied with But Were they younger guys or what? Yeah, man, it was old people, it was young people, it looked like there was a good diversity, um, and hearing people's occupations, there was, you know, professors and other people who were just doing, like, you know, small, odd jobs here and there, so it was a real good blend. So, but in that situation, when you're talking about the pool of potential jurors, is that the prosecution has already been able to sort of, like, sort through the potential jurors or they had already been able to like eliminate a bunch of people do you think they were going out of their way to eliminate black people because they thought they would be more sympathetic to young boy you know it, it's um it's the way it works is they send notices to everybody and then 50 people get sent into one courtroom where there's going to be a trial so out of those 50 now both sides have the ability to cross some people off the list right so the judge is going to ask they're going to come up in like groups of 10 or 15. The judge is going to ask them questions about, hey, is there any reason that you wouldn't be able to decide this case fairly? I tweeted about this. My tweet wasn't actually complete because the real story is even better when I give you the full details of the tweet. Juror number seven. Juror number seven. So, so my tweet on juror number seven, it said that he, um, the judge asked him, hey, is there anything that's going to keep you from ruling fairly and he's like oh my tweet said i love yb i would decide in his favor but it was actually better than that he said some shit like oh i, I love yb i'm biased and the judge is like yeah we know you might know him but you could decide and you could look at the evidence and decide in his favor right and so this guy comes back and he's like no 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 i love yb i don't care what the evidence says i would rule for him wow <laughs> but if he was a real young boy fan and he really wanted to work on behalf of young boy he would have kept that bias to himself and he would have got himself on the juror pool and he then would have voted to voted not guilty regardless of what the evidence was in front of him right yeah there's the concept of jury nullification and you know a lot of people were commenting this dude fumbled the bag. He had one job. It's hard in the moment, right? He he might have he might have even regretted. He's like, man, I wish I didn't say that. But right. in the moment, he's looking at young boy in the trial. The judge asked him the question. He's not like preparing for this moment. He probably looked at the guy and said, man, right in front of my my dude, I'm gonna confess my love for him. But he might not have been a young boy fan because yeah, some people when it, they, it comes up for juror time, they're like, oh, I'm trying to get out. I'm a white supremacist. I could not. You can't trust me yeah. I, just because he wants to get out of the jury duty, right? Oh, for sure. Yeah. People always try to get out of jury duty, and that came up during the questioning. The judge was like, all right, everybody, I know you guys want to get out of jury duty, but please let's stop it here. Yeah. But this dude was just he was just a diehard YB fan. Okay. And so, so, like, 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 like uh, uh, um, younger guy. Like, how old is he? Yeah, he's a younger guy. 
Well, okay. Dennis went to Louisville. When you first heard about this case, when you um, re- when you remember initially seeing the reports about it and everything, I remember listening to a handful of different uh, hip-hop commentators talk about it, and the, the mood was very much doom and gloom. Like, this motherfucker's not going to beat this. It sounds like they have a ton of evidence on him, physical evidence. They have the guns. They have this video footage of him with more guns, etc. Like, I, I remember hearing commentators talk about it and thinking, oh, young boy's done. He's getting locked up. Did you have a similar reaction, or what did you think when you first heard about it? Oh, I definitely did not have a similar reaction because uh-huh. – you can never, ever look at any criminal case uh, and, and say stuff like that. You just can't. Um, if the fingerprint evidence and DNA evidence came back and matched him and you know that, that's a whole different ballgame. Right. But this concept of constructive possession, look, he didn't get charged with fleeing from the police. If he got charged with fleeing the police, he's guilty. He didn't get charged with... Um, what else? Uh, trespassing, right? Because he ran out, the car was on somebody else's property. If he got charged with trespassing, he's guilty. He got charged with felon in possession, right? And possession, you got to prove some stuff. So this is my phone. I possess my phone. It's in my hand. That's possession. But there's my bag. There's stuff in my bag. Right. Okay, so that's constructive possession. I don't have physical, but it's constructive. I have dominion over it because I know my bag is there. And if I wanted to, I could go get some shit out my bag. Right. But now let's talk about a car. All right, yeah, I know my car is there. Are you going to charge me with everything you can find in my car? You probably will, but it's not as easy a case to prove as you might think. Because they're going to tell the jury this. They're going to tell the jury that in order to find the defendant guilty, you have to find that he knew the gun was there and that he intended to possess it. And how do you prove that he knew it was there? And how do you prove that he intended to possess it in a case where he's an entertainer, multiple people are going in and out of his house, and there's no physical evidence tying him to the weapon. Right. It was, it was a case that, that I understand why they could beat it. I'll tell you what I honestly think. I, I think the prosecution got way too excited, and I think they put like a lot of prosecutors on the team uh-huh. because everybody wanted to get a piece of it. And I think they made the case a lot more complicated than it really should have been Right. for them strategically. For them strategically, they should have made the case simple, right? But they, they got excited, you know, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're going to go in on this guy. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And they did too much, in my opinion. Operation Never Free Again. It's too much. It's but too much. What was the too much? Like, what if if you were in the shoes of the prosecutor? What would you have advised them to do specifically, and what what should they have left out? All right. Well, first off, let me let me give you the proof that it was too much. Okay. All right. So, if you're twelve guys in a jury, literally any one statement, any one look might go ahead and make you make up your mind. That for me, I saw that. That's it. That's what my mind is made up. Throughout this case, the judge constantly looks at the prosecutor and says, stop. What does this have to do with anything? Really? The lyrics being an example of that? Well, he started off, got rid of the lyrics. The jury didn't hear that he got rid of the lyrics. Okay. But here's what the jury hears. They start comparing. They're they're talking about this FN, FNX 45 gun, and they're talking about all the markings, and they're going on a deep dive into the markings. And really, the job for the jury is very simple. Let me compare the picture on social media that you say is the gun, and let me see the gun, and let me see if they're the same. 
Now these guys are going to go on and they go in like a deep dive. The FNX has this, the FNX has this. You can't tell any of these features on the pictures that the jury is looking at. And so the judge is like, stop it. We don't need a gun lesson. This is irrelevant. If I'm a juror, I'm looking at that, I automatically go, this looks like a weak prosecution case. Mm. And over and over again, the prosecution is using multiple pictures of him with jewelry. What does that have to do with anything? And what it, what it shows you, in my opinion, is a prosecution unhinged from what they typically do because they're caught up in the mania of let's go get this kid. Right. It was an unhinged prosecution, if you ask me. Really? You think they just had such a big grudge against him? I mean, this is part of like a, a broader movement against rappers and against gangster rappers in particular lately, right? Uh, look, it's hard to think that it would necessarily be like coordinated. Like we don't, we can't prove that or know that, but it seems like a trend now, right? Look, I, I always use the example. People who follow me have heard this before. You know, if you're a supermarket checkout person and you could serve me or you could serve NBA Young Boy on your <laughs> checkout line, yeah. who you want to serve? Yeah. NBA Young Boy. And prosecutors and cops have tremendous discretion. A lot of these guys wake up and they can choose from a big <laughs> what. Their area of responsibility, FBI calls it AOR. Cops might call it jurisdiction. But within their jurisdiction, they could pick and choose. Right. And who are they going to pick and choose? They're going to pick and choose, especially the guys who are going to go on social media. If you're going to go on social media and say, <laughs> gang, gang, bang, they're going to pick and choose you. Right. Yeah, King Slime. Now, how did the video evidence get thrown out? Because I believe the prosecutors or the police went through the cameras, man's camera and seen footage of young boy with at, guns right yeah um at the music video so that got thrown out i believe do you know how i felt like that the louisiana case yeah so the louisiana case he has the two gun oh, cases okay. mm -hmm. he had the california case which is they found a gun in his car when they were arresting him oh, right. on a warrant for the louisiana case gotcha. uh, yeah okay <laughs> louisiana case look i'm not here to indict the prosecution i'm not here to talk shit about the government but let's talk about what's happening. Let's talk about what's happening. In Baton Rouge, Louisiana, like 20 local officers and multiple feds, part of a joint task force, executed what they considered, you know, a arrest and a roundup of these young black males who were apparently doing some illegal crap. Right. The chief judge of the district court in the district of louisiana a federal judge the chief judge held a tri uh, a hearing over multiple days and everybody went in there and gave their evidence and the cops testified and this and that and what did she find she said you guys violated this young man's constitutional rights you guys went through this thing you went through this thing you had them here and in your warrants you guys put stuff that does not make any sense in fact i'm not going to go so far as to say that you meant to lie but this is not accurate so let's talk about how much effort the feds are putting into rappers and let's talk about what the results we're seeing in federal court where you get a way fairer shake mm. yeah federal court is hard but it's pretty freaking fair. If you want to get to the truth of something, give it to a federal judge. Uh. And in Young Boy's case, what are they telling you? They're telling you Louisiana, they violated the shit out this man's constitutional rights. In California, he got a not guilty in less than five hours of deliberation on a three-day trial. If you all don't understand that in America, the individual 
the person, the me. What, what the fuck y'all think I'm making these videos for? Because it drives me. I'm not doing it because I'm part of some organization and it's my job. It drives me. What's driving these prosecutors? What's driving these investigations? Cloud chasing. Yeah, what do you think? <laughs> is that, is that a, a good way right. to describe like what yeah. you think? Because aren't they also very, very motivated to not bungle big high profile cases like this like is it, taking an l on a situation like this is a big l for them right i think it's an inability to confront the real problem the real problem is there is a lot of crime in our inner cities right okay but chasing around high profile rappers on young boys cases young boys accused of touching a handgun in a music video <laughs> Outside on the curbage of his grandfather's home in the great state of Louisiana. Come on. Come on. How is that addressing the problem of crimes in inner cities? How is that doing nothing but driving a huge fucking spike between the communities and the police law enforcement? How, that's all it's doing. All you're doing is fanning the flames of division. And what we have in this country is an inability to address our real problems. And we go at them with freaking nonsense. Right. But don't you think that something like Young Boys Music essentially, like, probably causes more violence overall in society? But I'm not against talking about the fact that the themes of misogyny, violence, drug use, and hip-hop are something that should be talked about. I'm right. not against that. But why is it that that's going to be used as a justification for prosecutorial overreach? Why is it that that's going to be used as a justification for a dumb allocation of law enforcement resources? Mm. It's not. It's it a, is, in fact, a horrible response to that. I mean, it's interesting to compare it to like the 90s where you essentially had the government try, trying to you know, put a dent in rap music by censoring it by shutting down concerts by you know trying to put pressure on the record labels to not work with artists who are putting uh, offensive content out or whatever and it was kind of done under the guise of like this being a moral imperative where it's like we have to protect the children from hearing about this kind of stuff it's almost like this is the new way of attacking rappers is like let's try to throw them in jail that would be a lot more effective than just creating outrage that's absolutely i mean you're you're observation is right on that we have shifted from that old approach to the mm. anger that a large part of our society has at the themes of violence and misogyny that is in hip-hop and rather than trying to outlaw it and ban it and prohibit it they're criminalizing it mm -hmm. mm. wait so what's the update on a louisiana case louisiana case is that he had several pieces of key evidence against him thrown out after the judge threw it out, the prosecutors went back to the judge and said, let me run that back because we made some arguments, but we could have made some other arguments. So here are the other arguments. And the judge said, get away. <laughs> <laughs> and now they're saying, all right, we're going to go appeal it. We, we want to go to the circuit court, the federal appeals court, and we want to appeal this decision. I think given the way that decision was written, it would be a gross miscarriage of justice for any appeals court to look at a lower court decision from the chief judge. It's not, there's a lot of, all those judges deserve tremendous respect. The chief judge deserves even more respect. And if the chief judge says that these officers have put in warrants to go ahead and search stuff, and those warrants have information that I know is false, and I'm not going to say 
But it raises the question, is it intentionally false? For an appeals court to reverse that type of decision and condone, condone that type of behavior, that would be awful. Yeah, so does that prevent, I guess, so since a lot of those evidences got thrown out, so does that mean that the Louisiana case would not go to trial if the uh, you know, appeal gets, gets like denied, or is it going to trial regardless? I think if the appeal got denied, then the cops, the prosecution would have to make a decision of do we want to go forward with a very, very uh, weak case or with you know, a lot less evidence than we had intended. And I, I, think, I think at that point you would see maybe the prosecutors drop the charges or maybe some type of uh, plea deal being worked out. He served a lot of time on that case. Before he got bond, he served, I think, I don't know, don't quote me on this, but it was close to like 160 days that he served. Mm. So he could come up with a plea bargain. I mean, I don't know if they can really plea out a gun case for that low, but I think as long as the appeals court rules in his favor, he's in really good shape in the Louisiana case. Now, now, have you been following the Gunna and Young Thug case? Yeah. Now, what are the updates currently? Because I know that Gunna Bond got denied, but then I heard during his uh, bond hearing that the prosecutor said he's being investigated right now by... You had a YouTube title that said that a BBW brought him cocaine and lean in prison or something (laughs) like that. (laughs) Yeah. He characterized her as a BBW. That was definitely a moment where I looked at my YouTube subscriptions just like, oh, Flacco. She was a BBW. <laughs> Have you seen her? I'm, yeah. I, I don't condone <laughs> No, 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 no. Flacco should really. Big, beautiful woman. A big, beautiful woman brought Gunner some. No, sorry. She got found with weed and whatever, and the prosecutors are trying to say she brought it in for Gunner. So, do you know like how that went down? I mean, I would say this. If I was a prosecutor or a judge or a member of the juror, I would find that entertaining, but it's irrelevant. This is a RICO charge, all right? If people are freaking smuggling weed or some other drugs into known dr- into jail for known drug users, whatever, man, I don't know. I don't care. Mm-hmm. What I care about is the RICO indictment and the fact that Gunner, to my knowledge, has been held for over 65 days based on allegations that, one, he was in a vehicle that was followed by another vehicle. His vehicle had nothing illegal in it, but the rear vehicle had illegal guns, and they're all in a gang based on, you know, I don't know. And so strike one. What? That, that incident that I just described, Adam, you know what they charged Gunner with for that? They charged him eventually with, like, some misdemeanor. You know what it was pled out to? He paid, like, $190 on an illegal window tint for his car. And that incident is now one of the predicate acts in a RICO conspiracy charge against him where he's been denied bond because he's too much of a threat to society. Yeah, like, even, like, with the Gunner case, even, like, when you read the indictment, like, they got a lot of things on, let's say, Young Thug or accusations on Young Thug. With the Gunner thing, we don't really see a lot of, like, the crimes they're tying Gunner to, uh, unless they're saying, like, Gunner, you know, is just, like, a member of of YSL. So how do you see... But they just dropped his uh, official Crip affiliation. Yeah, Shady Park Crips. Right, and they also said that... Two homicides. Yeah, he's, he's... Associated with, I don't know exactly how he's yeah. associated with him, but yeah, but but like that's like another investigation they come oh, so like, that's oh, no. not part of this no. current Rico case, uh-huh. no, right? So, why do you think, like, okay, so how do you see this Rico case with the YSL playing out for Gunna? Here's I don't know how it's gonna play out, yeah, you can't know how it's gonna play out because by the time he gets his day in court, you're going to know so much more information about all this, right? You can't can't know how it's going to play out. You just can't. 
what I'll tell you my big problem with that case. So we have this concept in America of innocent until proven guilty. Right? right. I'm yes. innocent until you prove me guilty. Right. Now, in certain circumstances, you might have proof that I am a threat or that I'm not going to come back to court. And so in America, we have agreed that everybody is innocent until proven guilty, and we're not going to lock them up unless the government can show that they're not going to come back to court or they're a threat to society, a danger to the community. Maybe they're going to go kill a witness. Gunner's been locked up for 65 days. Show me a page, a word, an ounce of proof that this man is not going to return to court, that this man is a threat to the community. What you've heard is, oh, he's threatening witnesses. Which witnesses? Or tell us that you have a sworn statement from an individual that says, Sergio Kitchens told me I'm dead if I testify against him in this case. You don't have to give me the name. Tell me you have that sworn by somebody. Right. They have not. They have not. They have said in vague representations by attorneys to the judge that there is a threat to witnesses, that people have told us that they are scared of Mr. Jeffrey Williams and people are scared of Mr. Kitchens. Is that a threat from, to, to somebody being a witness? You know, if somebody tells you, oh, I'm scared of this guy, I don't want to talk about this guy. I'm scared of people. I don't want to talk about people. <laughs> right. They, they're, they're intimidating me from testifying against them at trial based on that. Right. So my problem with the gunner thing, man, is just like, yo, are we sure that we're not like holding these guys because prosecutors can't always win cases without informants? And so what prosecutors really want, every single Fed will tell you this. I don't know what the number is, but the overwhelming majority of cases are built on informants. That's the only way they win. Right. Right. And so are prosecutors just kind of trampling on people's constitutional rights so that it's a little easier for them to get informants? Is that what's happening? Is that what we're doing in Atlanta? But is there like for them, it kind of feels like it's a situation where they get a lot of potential leverage by keeping them locked up. And there doesn't seem like there's almost any potential penalty that they could pay for keeping them locked up. Is there any way that they could get any kind of reprisal for doing that unfairly? No. No. By and large, prosecutors have prosecutorial discretion and prosecutorial immunity. Right. In the course of performing your job, it is hard to make the right decisions all the time. And so we say if a prosecutor makes a boo-boo and charges you with some shit and maybe he shouldn't have, by and large, he's got absolute. you're not going to be able to really sue that prosecutor. Right. Like my uh, rest in peace to Draco the Ruler, but I mean, he spent three years of his life behind bars just waiting for a trial that never even took place they can't well he beat it they decided to recharge him he sits in jail for another year and then by the time he gets a trial they decided to just drop it and it's like he lost all these years of his life for nothing just waiting you know some states you know what they do they have statutory caps on how much money you can get in a lawsuit even when you prove that they really violated you so you get locked up for 20 years and then it comes out that the cop and the prosecutor were both friends with the victim and the victim was lying and there's text messages showing that they all are going to do this to fuck you. Right. And you're in Oklahoma or I don't know what states have the statutory cap, but some of these states that you might think have these caps. And the jury says, oh, man, you're, you lost 25 years of your life. You would have earned $3 million. You had all this emotional distress. 
you know, your pain and suffering, you should get $17 million. And the statutory cap in some of these states will say that the maximum damages you're allowed to recover in a case against law enforcement, $200,000, And you have guys who that happens to them and they get exonerated on DNA or something else. And they, you know, they go to the jury verdict and there's only a $200,000 or $400,000 payout. It's not like that in New York. If this happens to you in New York, hit me up. Question. (laughs) Are Are you at all concerned... And do you spend time thinking about whether or not you're kind of playing to your base a little bit too much? Because you're clearly uh, gaining a following that is primarily hip-hop fans. Those fans are usually looking for somebody who's going to be optimistic about somebody's chances of getting out. They want somebody who's going to be rooting for the artist. But do you ever find yourself in situations where you take a look at the case and you're like, oh, he's guilty as fuck and he's a terrible person who needs to be <laughs> locked away. But then you don't want to say that on your social media because like, let's say that that was your opinion of Youngboy. If your opinion was this is a homicidal maniac who, does, who needs to be behind bars, I mean, I, I would assume that uh, the level of respect that you'd be getting from the young boy fans and the fans overall would be a lot less if you were to just say, lock this fucker up. So on the one hand, the media indicts defendants plenty already. So mm-hmm. when you're perp walked into the courtroom out the police car and you're put on that defense table, you, everybody thinks you're guilty. Mm. You're guilty as charged, motherfucker. <laughs> so I, I have no problem... Uh, balancing that out a little bit. So if I do feel like my commentary might be coming more on the defense side, all that really is doing is adding some leveling to the conversation. Uh To your other question, if I thought a motherfucker was guilty as hell, I'd just keep it to myself. Really? Yeah. Because you don't want to influence the case in that way? Or what's the reason? Uh, My interest is in pointing out to people some basics about how the criminal justice system works that you know this is what what's going to happen um and you know there are some you know just kind of explaining that i I don't really get anything out of basically just telling the world yeah this guy's guilty as fuck right (laughs) that's just kind of you know talking about him yeah and so if there isn't like an opportunity to give you some lens into the basic process and the value judgments and the weighing that people do, like, hey, what should I do? What should I? If there's not that value, if I'm just telling you, hey, I know something you don't know, I would usually just keep my mouth shut. Because if you look at somebody like Pooh Shiesty, I mean, he saw his uh, day in court, I believe, and and he seems like he pretty much did everything that they charged him with. <laughs> it's like, how much value are you really adding to the conversation if you're going to just be a guy out here saying like, yeah, he's guilty as fuck. Like everybody who who has heard the details of the case pretty much already felt that way. They were maybe looking for a little bit of sunshine, a little silver lining on all the bad news that was just coming in about him. Uh, I don't remember exactly how you covered that situation, but is is there ever a time where it's kind of hard to not just like state the terrible reality of these cases? When the serial numbers on his Instagram matched, when that news broke, which was a couple months after the original, so when it initially broke, I was pointing out, hey, in that video, you can't see this, or hey, that, and then when he got the second charge, because there was a shooting at a A club, club, and the bouncer said he hit him, and I was pointing out some stuff where that might happen, Um, and then the serial number thing came out, so I just left it alone, because that's cooked. That's cooked. Mm -hmm. And that's why he took the plea. Oh, yeah. So speaking of the plea, now, there were a lot of reports came out. I'm just going to blow my nose real quick. Okay. Uh, There was a lot of reports coming out 
about snitching allegations, a proverb. Do you know like what went on like on yeah. with that? He, there was absolutely zero snitching happening by Pooh. Mm-hmm. He would have got a downward departure. He did not. Yeah. I think Wack 100 said some shit. Absolutely not. Yeah. Absolutely not. Look, if I plead guilty, I have to tell you what I did. I cannot plead guilty without actually saying what I did, mm-hmm. right? So in the course of telling you what I did, I'm going to say that, hey, this is the crime that I committed. So anybody else who the cops know who are around when you commit that crime, fine. But the other two co-defendants in his case also pled guilty. So the idea that Pooh is informing on his co-defendants by pleading guilty, which requires him to tell the judge what they did, when the other two also pled, is just pure fiction. And then the idea that he told about any other crimes, no, because he would have got a downward departure for informing about other people's crimes. He only got a downward departure for accepting his own guilt and not making everybody go through a trial. Hey, you accept guilt, you plead guilty, we're not going to have to do this whole trial, we'll give you a, a little bit less, we'll give you a little leniency. But he didn't get a downward departure for snitching. That's a 5K yeah. statement, he didn't have one. Yo, why do you think the um, uh, prosecutors were incentivized to... Because he got a great deal with that plea deal. So why do you think they were incentivized to like give him that great of a deal? I don't know that he got a great deal. He's doing multiple years. I think he got shaved off two to three years probably because the quality of his attorneys. I don't know if you know who his lawyer is. His lawyers, there was two of them. There's Bradford Cohen. Mm. And um, uh, let me tell you about Brad. Brad got little tr- uh, little Wayne... The pardon mm-hmm. from Donald Trump and Whoa. Brad got Kodak a pardon from Donald Trump. You think those were paid for? Absolutely not. <laughs> Absolutely not. Why but, do you think Donald Trump would have been incentivized to do that? For the black vote. Yeah. Mm. Arbor demographic. Uh, also, everybody, you know, people post like, oh, the fix is in. Oh, they're going to drop a bag. Oh, they're going to go do this. They, none of that shit happens. None of that shit happens. The stakes are way too high. You know what I'm saying? Once people are actually looking and they're on you in today's world, let me tell you something. You go press on somebody, they're going to go to the cops. Mm. They're gonna, they're, <laughs> that, you can't press on someone without realizing that they could just go inform. You know what I'm saying? So like, that's not something that really happens. I know a lot of people, Trump. Right. I, nah. I'm not going to lie. A very large percentage of the time when the name Donald Trump is brought up around black people in social situations that I'm in, the Kodak thing gets brought up very quickly. Like, well, hey, go. Because, you know, people who are, like, not paying super close attention to politics, they tend to gravitate towards, like, pretty basic, simple things that they, you know, like gas prices. When you talk about who should be president of the United States, people just go to gas prices. It's something that everybody feels every day. You see the signs on the side of the road. Yeah, I love the gas price stuff. Yeah, and it's like... And I don't even want to try to make the case sometimes to people of like, I'm going to be real with you, the fucking gas price does not have a lot to do with Joe Biden right now. And there's a lot of fucked up shit that happened under Trump that people just don't really uh, tend to blame on Trump, you know? No, right now, like, the, I, I, I guess the narrative, right, because when Trump was leaving, it was kind of a, yo, the boogeyman is leaving. Yeah. Yo, things about to be sunnier. Now, for four years now, you know, things are not sunnier. So now the narrative around Trump is kind of soft, and you know, you know, again, I'm not going to tell you who I'm going to vote for, but you know, well, we all know, <laughs> <laughs> right? No, man, soft. You're going to be right? in here with a DeSantis hat on. You know, you're also too like being being in like in in like California, and seeing like how much I have to give to taxes, man. Because like I've been poor all like all my life, so now I got some money. It's kind of like how much I have to pay. I'm definitely no longer a, a Democrat, man. It's mm-hmm. karma. It's karma. <laughs> it's karma. 
What? Donald Trump's the, yeah. the everybody is coming warming up to Trump, yeah. softening on Trump because the Dems decided to go with Biden. Yeah. And this is karma. Of course. You put up a, a you let's just let's have some respect for the office of the yeah. presidency, okay? Uh, incompetent so, person. Yeah, I don't need to put any words. <laughs> right. You, know <laughs> you all know. You've all seen them on stage. If you put Joe Biden out as the president, the response from the American people has been clear. Hey man, what's what's going on with that Trump dude, man? Is he still can we get him to not be such a racist and like Yeah. But then if you run DeSantis, he's Trump but minus all the rough edges. You know? He looks he looks sane on camera, he seems competent, he seems like he's got his head screwed on straight, but in the end, I think he probably actually has a bigger agenda for America that a lot of us wouldn't appreciate than than Trump did. Trump was pretty ineffective. All these guys are taking us back, man. We need people to. DeSantis, he's just obsessed with like gay people. <laughs> what the fuck, man? Like, I can't. I, I want to get behind reasonable immigration policies, yeah. man. I want to get behind reasonable criminal justice policies, man. But like, y'all want to talk about everything else. You guys want to go backwards because because what are people doing, right? People are just trying to look out for themselves. Mm. How do I how do I look out for myself, Adam? I'm not I'm gonna I'm gonna play to my base. Right. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And I I try not to. I do that all like all week I had an opportunity to play with my base with little snippets of young boy or this or that. And I tried to rise above it. Mm. You know, like I'm not gonna do this one right now. I'm not gonna take this picture right now. I'm not gonna post this nonsense right now. I'm gonna try to keep it to the story. What's happening at trial? Right. Why should we find this guy not guilty? And is that because it, it, it's interesting because probably in the history of rap music for sure there's never been a lawyer who is as social media hands-on as you are you're clearly going about this in a, in a way that probably most of your peers could not even fathom right like when you're standing outside interviewing young boys lawyers and everything they're happy to do little interviews with you about what just happened in court but also i'm assuming that they're thinking that the way that you're choosing to spend your time here is is very much outside of anything that they've ever even considered right yeah, well, I think for me, the appreciation that I get from them means everything. Like mm-hmm. they, they really appreciate the commentary. They like all that. In terms of uh, sort of a hip hop lawyer doing it, I, I forgot what your what was your question. Do you like how how do you think what you're doing is viewed by the rest of your peers? Oh, given that it's so outside the box. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know that other lawyers could really do. I mean, a lot of lawyers could do what I'm doing. I don't know that most lawyers could do what I'm doing. I'll tell you what I'm doing. It's a skill that I've created over many years of uh, Lincoln-Douglas debate and um, mock trial in uh, law school. Okay. High school mock trial. Yeah, yeah, these are are timed competitions where somebody's going to say some shit and you're going to listen to them and then you're going to get 90 seconds and then you got to... Talk shit about him. Right. Right. And so that's all about um, kind of really quickly digesting and then really quickly reciting. Right. And so what I do, I mean, listen, I I go in there, I listen to freaking two hours of testimony and I come out with 60 seconds of content. That's not that's not hard. That's not easy. That's hard. That's yeah. really hard. And you're going through a bunch of different drafts in your head. Are you writing down notes or anything, or is no, this mostly like, just in your head? It's like three takes or five takes. Okay. One, throw it. Two, throw it. Three, post. 
Mm. And it's all one take. I mean, I sometimes I'll edit it, but I just do it one take. So, so I think a lot of lawyers don't have the opportunity to do this because they're stuck working. Right. I've got uh, at this point. I mean, I, I didn't have the opportunity to do this five years ago, but I have a team. Right. I got three lawyers. I, mean, I got a team, so it's, I, I got the opportunity. You know, and then not only do I have the opportunity, I have the ability. And I have the ability to go in there, digest and recite. And then I have the vision where I see for myself where this is headed, which is I'm going to cover this young boy case. I got a relationship with his lawyers. I've met this guy. I've met that guy. I've learned this. I've watched this. Now I'm going to start doing some little criminal cases in my city. And five, ten years from now, I'm going to be a real kick-ass courtroom lawyer, the lawyer I always wanted to be. Because when I look at how legal proceedings manage to trickle down into the rap media landscape sometimes you know if there's not somebody in court it occurs to me that there's a huge amount of stuff that goes on in court and whatnot that doesn't even make it to the blogs because there's just not somebody out you know effectively creating a simple narrative that people would be able to understand you know and like now as the rap media landscape becomes more and more competitive with something like the young boy trial there's a lot of people in rap who, on the day of the Young Boy trial, they are seated at their computer awaiting stuff, awaiting news, so that they can make content about this. What you're doing is just kind of like the natural progression of that. Is like I'm not going to wait until some other lawyer like puts up a tweet, or I'm not going to wait until you know it makes it to Hip Hop DX. I'm going to actually get in the courtroom. And you're coming from with a background where if it was me sitting right next to you in court, I'm not going to be able to comprehend a large percentage of what's going on, whereas to you, it's very second nature at this point. Yeah, I'm waiting for the day that um, I'm in that courtroom and some other lawyer comes in clout chasing, <laughs> yeah. and then we both go out and uh, I'm there and like he's there. It'll I'm waiting happen, for that right? day. How do you even get like a like a, a pass inside a courtroom? Federal courts are open to the public. You're mm-hmm. going to have some situations where a judge might close a federal court to the public, but federal courts are open to the public. You walk into El Chapo trial, I wouldn't recommend it, but you can walk into the El Chapo <laughs> trial. You wouldn't recommend it because it's going to be a fucking zoo or what? I don't know, man. I imagine I don't know. There's freaking cartel members following people out the courtroom. Like, you what think? Is this I don't know. I. I didn't report on the El Chapo case. Really? You, you were a little intimidated by it? Yeah. Really? But you weren't worried about being in the room with the 6-9 trial and stuff? Well, I mean, I didn't do that 6-9 interview. I yeah. recorded a 6-9 interview, and then I cut it. Speak on that. So, like, why was it so horrible? Because you said, like, it was just, like, multiple ticks after while You just said, bro, I'm done with this shit. So, well, I was just yeah. worried about what the end product would look like, and mm. I was worried that I wouldn't have artistic control, and I was worried that gang members in my city might look at me as a 6ix9ine sympathizer and I did not want any of that to happen. So how did this actually come about? He reaches out to you because at a certain point he was just basically looking for anybody in hip-hop that would give him a platform, right? And well, I, I, I'd like to think that I was before a couple of anybody's, but yeah, I was definitely <laughs> after a lot of others. No, but like, okay, we remember that Joe Budden, uh, no, I believe, was offered it at a certain point. Yeah, I yeah. think even Vlad at a certain point. And I then, might have been before Vlad. Like, okay. I don't know. Uh, we'll figure out who was first, Vlad. Not trying to take anything away from you, but <laughs> Gilly you'll, you'll notice that yeah, yeah, Gilly and Wallow. Yeah, but, yeah. but then he, at a certain point, it was a, he ends up on the Shade Room, who you really are not used to them even interviewing rappers. He he ends yeah. up on Logan Paul, so before, it's like okay, a, a YouTuber who's gonna you know yeah. realistically not press the hard questions that he probably wants to avoid. 
it occurs to me that like your interview would probably be the best interview for him to do in a lot of ways because you're going to ask him the most technical questions. I feel like and that was the problem when I saw Wax sit down with a with with six nine uh, and academics at the Fresh and Fit studio. Is I just felt like Wax wasn't prepared to really grill him about the stuff that he should have been grilling him about. Which once he started managing him, it was kind of like, oh well, I guess that does make sense that he didn't want to do that. Hey man, look, I I ducked out of that interview. I was scared to do that interview. You can say I fumbled the bag, but he has the takes. He can put the two takes out there. He reached out to you. He reached out. I was on a. I was at the Jersey Shore, spending the summer down there. I was on the beach and I was toasted. And off what White Claw? <laughs> no, just just some 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 of New Jersey's OG. Ah. So I'm I'm nice on the beach, right? Like real good and. And um and I get a call and it was like yo da 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 Takashi or I think it was the manager it's like this six nines manager we want you to come do an interview and I was like yo I'm dying bro what, we, what is this? this is hilarious right and so then he's like no I'm gonna message you from the account right now so then he's like check your DM so I look at my my phone and there's the six nine account and that moment was like I haven't had a moment like that probably until today or maybe like or that moment because I mean listen. I, I don't know. Like, I was just such a big fan of the kid, man. Right. You were rooting for him before all this? And and I'll still say this. What he accomplished in two to three years is unparalleled or it's up there with anybody else's run. Of course. 10 for 10. That run is fucking awesome. Yeah. And the way the way that it ended so abruptly, in a lot of ways, kind of just underlined what a crazy too, couple I'm, of years it was. I'm too much of a fan to ever think about the end. I don't care. About the end. <laughs> I don't. He's oh, like a Star Wars fan that just like, or like I like the yeah. Simpsons up to like season seven or eight or whatever it was, and mm-hmm. I don't I don't have any interest in the Simpsons now. The it's kind of like the that. The end is just because of how fucking good it was. Like mm. that. That's the only way shit like that can end. But anyway. It was a great two-year run, so I'm on the beach, and I get the text, and I'm like, oh, wow, this is really him. Um, and I look at my wife. I'm like, yo, I don't even know. She's like, no, nah, you should go. You're going to regret this for the rest of your life if you don't go. So I was like, all right. So I got in my car, drove straight back uh, to, to Williamsburg, which is where I was living, got some shit, went to a studio, and it was, you know, like I said, I ducked out. I backed out of the interview, da-da-da-da-da, whatever. But he has the two takes. He can play the two takes. You sat down to do the interview right then and there? Yeah. That same day? Yeah, I was toasted. Okay. I, had, I prepped nothing because I was too... You're gone. just sitting in the car kind of thinking about what you're going to ask him? Not really. I was like... I, 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 got, I got a ride there. And I, I just... I was just... I was trying to put questions together. You see that? He can't, he can't say anything I was trying. Me. I was trying to put the questions together. Yeah. And I just couldn't... I was sitting there. I was like, I just couldn't do it. But let me tell you uh, about these two takes. What I, were the, yeah, what was the first question? Like your first attempt no, to I'm get never, to I'm not, I'm, I'll tell okay. the question later. Yeah. Six Nine can put out the takes. I got him though, bro. I like I I delivered my question, and he was about to respond, and then he said, "Ah, no, no, cut that, cut that, cut that." Because it was basically I asked him this. I said, "Look, you were this kid one day, whatever, and then you became this gangster rapper." Right, and now you went from that, and your lawyer's telling you this, and the feds are telling you this. Now you're the feds' little pet. You just went and you know you just played lapdog for the feds for three weeks. Now you're coming out, right? And now you're doing this. Who are you? Where is the you? Aren't you worried that you're somebody who has 
a circumstance presented to you and you just switch into that circumstance and then another circumstance presents to you and you just switch into that circumstance and after three or four of those, don't you think you've lost yourself? Yo, that was deep. And that's and what he said. That wasn't prep. <laughs> that's literally what he said. Yeah, right. And then it was going to get real deep and it could have gone, it could have gone a lot of ways, but ultimately I, I got scared and backed out the interview. Right. Because when okay, when you look at his yeah. actions, I mean, he's been basically kind of canceled out of hip hop. Obviously, he has his fan base, but for the most part, he could have a photo up tomorrow that have ten million likes, and you go through the comments and you won't find one rapper. It's really like a pretty remarkable scenario. When you look at that, do you think that what he did was immoral, or do you look at it and do you do you believe some of his justifications for it when he says, "Oh, they they were doing this to me, they were going to kill me, yada yada yada"? Like, what do you actually think of his character, having observed all this? You can't have your cake and eat it too. The reward for snitching is freedom. It is not a return to your gangster rapper status. Mm. And to think, to think that is a sign of a lost man. Yeah, I think we were all looking for something different from him yeah, when he came you out. Got, you got, Some I growth. Mean, do, you, do, do you remember what the comeback was? We don't have to devolve into that, but that comeback was crazy when he just starts insulting everybody about yeah. everything, and I'm going to expose the rap industry about Snoop. It was just, it was mania. Snoop and the girl, Desiree well, I, Perez. Okay. And the- I kind of understand in his stance on that in terms of, yo, y'all calling me a rat, and I'm being like, like taking off a playlist essentially because I snitched. But there's all these other snitches in hip-hop. There's just... Again, Desiree. Again, like there's some, you know, there's some I stuff. No, De- I never spun no sh- Desiree shit on yeah, my Spotify. I, it seems kind of weird to like mm-hmm. have to go all the way to an executive yeah. at the company that's <laughs> signing artists to find the and hypocrisy, then there's a Snoop right? Thing, but then people are saying the Snoop thing is fake. No, we're saying not it's real. Yeah. There's no. Yeah, no. Listen, if somebody has the Snoop thing, you DM me. I'll look at it. There is no Snoop thing. Yeah, I haven't seen. Jack shit right. about Snoop. That's ridiculous. And 6 9 really isn't a trustworthy like, source, you know. About so. 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. You know? It's right? like if, if people were going to have tried to put that jacket on Snoop, I feel like the time has really passed. It's, that was 30 years yeah. ago. I was literally in like first grade when Snoop was going on trial for that, that shit back in the day. I mean, nobody gives a fuck. Nobody's going to turn on their uncle. And everybody, if you fuck with rap music and you've been fucking with rap music for as long as I have, everybody views Snoop Dogg as their uncle. You're not going to turn on your uncle just because 6 9 throws this idea out there. Bro, right. He, he said, I'm going to expose all the rats. I was just waiting. I was like, okay. But who's the rats? No, trash. Uh, what? No, trash. And he never exposed no rats. Of course. Well, again, like he did expose Desiree Perez. Now, I will say this he never exposed any rat rappers. But then, if let's say like Meek Mill is saying, yo, I can't fuck with rats, fuck a rat, I'm never going to do business with a rat. And then he does business with Desiree Perez, who was wearing wire to take down, you know, you know gangs, et cetera, et cetera, right? So how can Meek Mill take the stance of he's anti-snitching, anti-rats, as fuck 6 9 6 9 rats but then Meek Mill's is doing close business with Desiree Perez because she's like the president or, you know, some like high-ranking member of Rock Nation. So that's what he was trying to say. I kind of understand the Meek Mill thing, right? Like you really can't speak on rats if, you know, like your boss is a rat. The Desiree Perez thing, 
You see it, how he's really trying. You see how he's, he's trying, struggling yeah. to get it out. That's yeah. why it doesn't add up. It, it's not the worst argument I've ever heard. If mm-hmm. if the only thing that we're trying to do here is establish that there's some degree of hypocrisy with Meek Mill, but I don't <laughs> think that's not really what's being said here. Yeah. Like you are directly in a gang, a famous New York gang, and then you put like 25 of them behind bars based off of your complete betrayal of what you previously said you were about. You know? Yeah, 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 yeah. Again, like he's definitely a snitch and a rat, so you know that's cool. But then you also said, is it immoral? See, that's the thing that I think is kind of crazy. Is like I understand them maybe not wanting to have Tory Lanes or R. Kelly or whoever on certain Spotify playlists. But when you look at what Six Nine did, I mean, he very much, if anything, he, he aided and abetted <laughs> a civil society in which the law and order, <laughs> the, the rule of law is important. I, I oh, mean, no. you know, if somebody goes to the Spotify <laughs> headquarters and throws a brick through the front window, they want the cops to show up and find the guy and throw him behind bars, right? I mean, yeah, Six yeah. Nine, we all know, would be like, it was him. It was him. He would be the first one on deck to advocate for the victims of violent crime right that's a fact the industry the industry really you know they have some explaining to do yeah (laughs) it's a popularity contest end of the day yeah Um, hey so do you know any like updates on the records yo come promote your man (laughs) the facts man you guys got a lot of connections i don't know why you're not hooking them up who 10K records oh 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 his uh his like last label yo his label is heavy Lucy and Green or uh, Elliot, you think that they they? They're heavy. I mean, they made the Nicki Minaj collab happen to, for him. You could assume, right? Yeah, you're right. They they probably did a lot for him. But yo, that's your boy. He, you should be touting him as a, a a civil servant, the best example of what we can do as society to but, reform. But but I think is you can't really like tout him as a civil servant. Is he still out here talking about he's going to spend blocks and kill ops? If Man, six I don't nine, know what he's talking. If about. six nine had came, I, I still maintain this. If I was his manager and and he is getting out of prison, the luckiest fucking thing you've ever seen happen to anybody where he gets out early because of COVID and all this, I would have said. We're leaving all the negative shit behind. We're leaving all the gangster shit behind. You're going to be positive. You're going to be fun. You're going to be a fucking YouTuber. We're going to make... We're going to completely change who you are. And because I know that he is a amorphous blob of a human being who has no real personality, I think that he could have easily adapted to a completely different role. The problem is is that he wants the approval of the streets, and that's why he thinks that something like Slide for Vaughn is going to be an effective slogan for him. You had everything until the problem is he wants. The problem is he didn't have that vision. Mm. He just didn't get there. He thought that that was the only way to be cool. He he pulled an Elon Musk. He's out here. Making moves, calling shots, and sometimes you make dumb moves. And you want to run it back. Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like, wait, that shit is worth what? <laughs> I, I offered to pay at the peak. <laughs> no. But, th- Adam, you got vision, bro. Mm. And here's the reality. Every day, people are in a position of opportunity. And a lot of outcomes can happen. You can capitalize or you can fumble to back. That would have been a great vision for him to capitalize. My fantasy manager role for six nine, you know, what I really would have done. I would have got a band. We we're going MGK on him. That's but, brilliant. But, but we're not going to be pop punk. We're going to be like more metal because yeah. he his vocal style is Yo, like. I think it would work good with like a guitarist and everything he like that. The foil to gangster rap. We put him on Ozfest. Guess what? All these metalheads don't even know what snitching is. They, this is not like a thing I, for I them. Agree, They're though. not going to judge you the same way. He was, could be I, I still huge. Support it. If you want to do it now, bro, I still support it, man. Nah. Bring, we need a foil. To <laughs> You're right, though. It is a great idea, even though I just laid it out there, and it would be really yeah. embarrassing if he took my advice. <laughs> <laughs> it, it would just work so would work. good. I think it would work. He needed to do something 
something dramatic, and instead he did the exact same thing he was already doing and got no results. No, what though, like, would have worked better if I was them, bro? I would have banned him from even like speaking English. He should have done, <laughs> done just a straight Spanish, bro. Take that late into like his old Spanish. That's shit. the other wow. one. Yeah, fuck English. Don't even speak English out here, bro. And you could do metal. Yeah. You could do metal shit, and you could do wow. the Spanish shit oh, because man. the audiences don't cross over at all. <laughs> yeah. They're not even gonna know that you're doing both of them. Make yeah. two YouTube channels. You'd be fine. Yeah, man. I, I wanted to. Idea. I wanted to ask you for advice. For Flacco, because Flacco, when he came here, you know, he's, he's a law and order kind of guy. He's a guy who yeah. wants to see criminals punished for their deeds and whatnot. Yeah. And he's made some statements that have been somewhat controversial because, you know, hip hop really reveres the streets. Sometimes, you know, like when the YSL Rico came out, it really felt like Flacco was kind of rooting for the feds or rooting for, you know, whoever was trying to imprison I them. I said, yeah. What, what is your advice to him? on how he should message to the public because this seems like something that he could use a little bit of advice on. Well, let me give you the first bullet point, which is we have a problem with over-incarcerating Americans. We put people in prison way too often for way too long, and we also have a problem with actually encouraging rehabilitation. Now, make no mistake, I've seen this firsthand. Prison breaks people and it makes people, and it shouldn't do that. It should make people at a great, at a way greater ratio proportion than it does right now. So listen, if you're looking for why you should be more BLM versus ALM, it's very simple. It's that we got to fight the tide. You know, the overwhelming momentum is fucking incarcerating people who just have a lack of opportunity. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And so you should never, ever hesitate or feel like you have a responsibility to law and order above everything. This case, NBA Youngboy, he fled from police. 25 years ago, I don't know that 12 guys in a box would have set him not guilty. 20, even four years ago, pre-George Floyd, I don't know that 12 people in a box set him free. Post-George Floyd, America is like, wait a second. How fucking racist are we exactly? These are just people. They, they have badges and uniforms, but they're just people. They're the same people they were before they put on their badge and their uniform. Yep. You know, and with the with the young boy case, it really, really drives that point home and it really shows it to you. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, the OK, so my controversial take was if they're innocent, free them. If they're guilty, lock them up for life. Right. That was what like my controversy, which to me, if they're innocent, free them. If they're guilty, keep them in there. Right. Especially if murders are involved. I just never like I think it's because everybody yeah. knows they're guilty of at least a little bit. Right. Yeah, but <laughs> like maybe not the worst yeah. stuff. I, I couldn't figure out why somebody's guilty of you know? it. Maybe Young Thug like could effectively argue that he's not the one who was ringleading the whole thing, but somebody's guilty, right? So when you say like, if they're guilty, yeah. throw them in prison. Everybody at home, even if they don't actually think this, is thinking, oh, he wants to see him thrown in prison because somebody's guilty here, right? I feel like Gun is probably the one where, if I had my best bet, he's probably the one who could probably you know like escape from out of this and do probably like five years in prison. But, Yo, if they give Gunner five. <laughs> Yo, well, but what do you mean, throw people away, lock away the, for what? <laughs> yeah, for even even that. No, lock no, 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 no. I'm talking about like 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 the people who were involved in the murders, right? You know, in a quote unquote like. You think we don't indictment. go hard enough when we catch people? Well, like we were were just speaking about like the YSL indictment, right? So when it first came out, you know, like we were just told, yo, like murders are involved, et cetera, et cetera, right? So what I said was. If they're innocent, free them. However, if you kill somebody, you should be be in jail for life. No, that's fine. Yeah, you know. 
That's fine. But, but you know, we got to just take a step back on what that YSL thing really is. It's 28 yeah. people. 28 people ain't killed 28 people. Of course. Mm. That, that, that's not what they're saying. Right. Facts, man. But there's going to be a lot of snitching in this case, right? There already is. I don't know that there's any snitching. What I know and what everybody should know is that the number one tool in law enforcement's chest is an informant. Mm. And it's not just the number. It's by an overwhelming majority. Cases get built on informants. Keep your mouth shut. Yeah. Now, do you have any updates on the Lil Durk case? Because it's been a minute now, right? And it's still going on. Yeah, he's on uh, a charge in Atlanta, in Georgia. I think he's yeah. in Fulton County also. Same same place as the YFN and the YSL. Um, cases still pending. State court cases, they, they go slow. Now, hear me out. So there was like a think piece. Not even a think piece. Like, niggas was just talking a lot. So Birdman's brother... Torrance, he got out of jail because he kind of told on some dead people who, you know, was involved in the case or, you know, right? So, so the prosecutor's great, all, great Vlad interview with him. What's his name? Yeah. Gangster? Yeah, or, Torrance, right? That's his nickname, right? Yeah, yeah, Something yeah. Like that. Right. So the prosecutors gave him like an option. Yo, you can just tell us what these dead people did, you know, and what part of you. I think they're like 20 or 30 years in prison. Now, with the dirt thing, I think him and Vaughn was involved. I'm not even sure, like, what, you know, you know like the actual, him like, and Vaughn the, were both yeah. Charged. Yeah. So people were saying, could Dirk possibly just throw Vaughn under the bus now since Vaughn is gone and would that get him off? Or is that an oversimplification yeah. of how this would work? <laughs> I mean, it's it's a very I, I can see why the internet would go that way. Like, hey, just blame it on the Right. But, but I, I mean, as a lawyer, it's it's not so simple. It's not that easy. I don't think that would ever work. No. Nah, that's not that's not <laughs> <good>. <laughs> Right. Oh man. Here, so the YSL case, you know, like past that though. I think the DA or whoever she is, she said she got two more high-profile yes. comments. Yes. Now, when I hear high-profile, I'm thinking a, a couple rappers going to be involved as well. Right. Who knows? Well, that's what, basically what she was saying, high-profile rappers, right? Did she say high-profile? Yes. yes. Yeah, high-profile Rico cases coming. And how do you more. feel about her advertising that? It's like a preview for a movie of, like, what's to yeah. come. Like, I mean, that's yeah, like, what's going on freaky, here? right? She's been taking grand jury testimony on uh, Trump. There's a grand jury convene. They hear from witnesses, and she's trying to bring a Rico indictment against Trump for rigging, uh, uh, attempting to overturn the Georgia election results. How is she BLM? And she's this, like, <laughs> right? Like, Because like, she seems like she's somebody who is, like, you know, like socially liberal, but, but you she... want a prosecutor who's going to be willing to prosecute mm-hmm. both Trump and mm-hmm. gang activity, right? You want somebody who's impartial, don't you? Yeah, I have no problem yeah. with uh, prosecuting gangs and prosecuting Trump, but when I see what's happening in the Fulton County, Georgia courthouse, where I have been, where they have determined that 28 out of 28 individuals pose such a threat to society that they cannot be given bond under any circumstance, when I've seen that. I seriously question whether individual achievement and somebody building up their own career is coming at the expense of our understanding of what is innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. It's not cool. <laughs> not facts, but now, now, have you been following this Young Dolph case? Not particularly, no. I know they, nah, not really. Yeah, man, because, like, the internet kind of, like, solved it before everybody else, right? <laughs> yeah. Specifically, when he says the internet, he <laughs> means him. He got millions and millions of views of, of sort Yo, of pondering who may have been involved. In honestly, this. though, right? I Listen, I, I, I kind of caught it. So, right, so, um, you know, like, we found, found, like, a music. So, pretty much, like, what broke the case open was they found a car, you know, like, the, a getaway vehicle at a particular house. 
Right, I saw that. Yeah, so pretty much, you know, we went through, like, the music videos, you know, that was, like, thrown there, you know, and we pretty much said, yo, it was straight drops, et cetera. Now, he got arrested, and, and one other dude that we also named, he got arrested as well, but... It, now, like, what's your take on the internet solving crimes before it happened? Like, is that the place of YouTubers? Like, should YouTubers really be out here trying to solve crimes for the police? Nah. Nah, man, stay away. Yo, I do this shit. I have interjected myself into these stories. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to make a value judgment. I report on publicly recorded events <laughs> and happenings in the courtroom as they play out. The internet speculation with the YouTube videos, with the fucking voiceovers, and this guy knows this guy, and I see him holding this gun. I don't know what y'all are doing. But do you think that it's a realistic proposal that the cops would be tuned in to what the YouTube commentators or the people who are trying to solve crimes are talking about and that they're actually picking up leads from that? Or do you think that it's usually the case where the cops who are on the ground and have access to all kinds of technology and all kinds of shit that the YouTubers don't have probably know more than the YouTubers most of the time? No, the cops are using the YouTubers. They are. <laughs> mm. You're not supposed to be proud of that. Well, no. So I will say this though, because because they was offering like what, like a two hundred thousand for anybody with like information. Again, I was one of the first. I will, you know, I will gladly claim that that I was the first one to name Straight Drop as a suspect. Now I'm kind of like, damn, bro. Like if they use something, you know, like you know, like my shit, you know, they should not have rights to the two hundred thousand. There was. Claiming as a reward to any information? Yeah, you should hire a lawyer and make a claim. Absolutely. Uh, hey, man. But you know? <laughs> it doesn't putting it out there publicly kind of like <laughs> void the likelihood of you getting that reward? Most likely. Yeah, right? <laughs> like if you had made those videos and put them on a hard drive and walked yeah. on over to the police yeah. station and said, here you go, yeah. I don't know. Again, you know, because I know Cliff's going to be, obviously I was joking. I don't, plan, I don't plan on ever working with the police to receive a, you know, uh, a reward. Oh, well, that's nice. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. Just your YouTube yeah. riches, so that's enough for you? Yeah, man, you know, that's enough, man. <laughs> no, here's the thing with the, the YouTube investigations and shit. It, 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 it then has real-world impacts. You know, the idea that you are going to comment on something and, and say something that is an opinion, that is a hypothesis... And that commentary is going to have a real-world impact. We should all sit and think about that. We should, and we should assess how much we want to be responsible for impacting the lives of others in such an indiscriminate way. Mm. I think that's important. Definitely. But also, I mean, at the end of the day, we're all young Dolph fans, right? I mean... Well, no, at the end of the day, we're all agreed that in society, if you put shit out there, it can and will be used against you. Right. So from that perspective, the YouTube shit is, is on. It's up. <laughs> it's up. It's up. Right. It, it, you have the right to remain silent. You mm. don't have the right to be not heard. Right. If you want to go out there and you want to talk, I'm, fuck what I think. <laughs> the world is going to do its thing. Right. Right. And there is this concept in the world that you don't owe anybody anything. You're your own person. Go do your thing. That's what we value in America. That's what liberty is. You think people who commit violent crimes in America in 2022 are out of their fucking minds, given how much uh, yeah. surveillance and everything else there is? And I, I, I but, but I actually have to sit and think, man, what's going on in his life? 
Mm. Because nobody else is caring. <laughs> you know, the, our politicians will never be compassionate to criminal justice. Criminal defense lawyers can only do what they are paid for, right? And then there's this small band of criminal justice advocates who, for whatever reason, have found themselves you know, on that part of the fence. And I'm on that part of the fence because I've been able to find a way that it meshes with my life. And, and yeah, man, I mean, I think that is a, just a completely ignored part of the conversation. That voice just does not get amplified ever. Mm. And, and real quick, I just want to say that I am tuned into the chat. So if you guys have anything in particular that you want us to cover, yeah. I'm, I'm keeping an eye on it. Now, have YNW Melly been one of the guys where, you know, like you've, you know, like you've kept your opinions about, you know, his case to yourself? No, I've, I've, I think the YNW Melly case is a case where there is a lot of, evidence that has been discussed but hasn't really been fully presented and evaluated for example the police say that they have evidence that given the angle of bullet wounds and entry wounds that there's no way shots came from outside the car shots had to come from the back of the car now until i hear from a defense side, my understanding is that the individual who's the expert is not like a certified forensic expert who's written lots of articles and is a professor somewhere. He's just a cop who does this a lot and went to the scene with plastic, <laughs> long plastic straws and stuck them in holes and said, this is where this bullet came from. Right. That's, I, I'm pretty sure. But until we see the battle of the experts, until we see the prosecution's expert go out there and say, I know he got shot from behind because here it is. Uh, and to show that... They, if they can show that it was a staged scene, that there's no evidence that another car came and did a drive-by, he's going to get cooked. Hey, what's your take on this? So I think at YNW's Bortland, um, his co-defendant, um, at his bond hearing, I think his lawyer says, you're honored by all evidence presented, um, but the shooting happened from, from, I think it's like the rear passenger or, or you know, like whatever side, and my client was driving. Well, that kind of like contradicts YNW Melly's story where, yo, it was a drive-by. So, like, what do you think about that? I'm not, I, I'm yeah. not sure that, 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 that I've heard that. You're saying that Bortland said what? No, no, no. So Bortland's lawyer, right? You know, and uh, I can like, also pull it up for you as well. So Bortland's lawyer said, like, you're honored by all evidence presented, because this was, like, at, at his bond hearing, you know, you know I'm trying to figure out whether or not Bortland's going to get bond. And he says, by all evidence presented, the quote-unquote shooting happened at this particular position inside the vehicle, but my client was driving. Oh, right, right, right. Yeah. So what his lawyer is basically saying yeah. is, um, my guy didn't do it, Melly didn't do it, my guy should get a bond. Even if you believe Melly did it, my guy should get a bond. That's all he's saying. Okay, he's just saying you. that you take any alternative, mm -hmm. my guy gets a bond. Gotcha. So I wouldn't say that Bortlin and Melly are... Um, presenting competing accounts of what happened, mm -hmm. I would say his lawyer is just saying that what I said. Okay, gotcha. Interesting. Um, <clears throat> yeah, because it's been kind of crazy for me because I'm, I'm close with a 100K track who's Melly's manager. And to be honest, I know this is probably like purely anecdotal, but I have never seen him waver in his total belief that Melly is going to skate on all this shit. He's like, his manager. He has been the most confident that I've ever seen anybody. I've never been able to read any sense of doubt in track anytime we've had this conversation, which I always like yeah. factor that into my expectations for this case, regardless of how yeah. anecdotal that might be. Now, has track been more confident or less confident than take case people? 
Because Takeh's people was telling us, yo, Takeh going to be home. You know, so, you know, like, yeah. I suppose like, yeah. I could say this since, yeah, uh, you know, the, yeah, there was a pretty strong sense of doom and gloom with, from the Takeh team around that time. And, you know, they were maybe acting a little optimistic, but it never really seemed that genuine to me. Like, you could kind of feel it that they, they knew their boy was going away for a while. Yeah. He got 55 years. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. And my boy Greedo got, I think, 20 years or 30 years for being parked sleeping in his car at a rest stop in uh in texas with a bunch of stolen guns and pounds of meth in the trunk of the car and uh i don't know but they're, they're talking about him getting paroled too there was a bunch of news about that uh a couple of weeks ago and Greedo, i think put out a little bit of a statement basically acting like he wasn't being super optimistic about that i asked his mom and she had the same sense of like not wanting to publicly celebrate at all so that, that's a very that's that's one that means a lot to us here even though i'm not really sure exactly what's going on with his situation no nah, man he got a lot of years at a young age sad story yeah yeah because because like with melly you know like there's been like a general consensus even on on like like um, social media that you know like he's probably cooked now from your perspective is there any chance that Melly have, or is there a good chance that Melly got to come out? In oh, the, I, I don't think yeah. anybody is in position to give any opinion on Melly. Yeah. The prosecution is literally telling you that we have an expert who is not a professor, published articles. He's a law enforcement officer who's done this for many years, and he went to the scene with plastic pipes. Mm. All right, So the defense is going to have their own expert. If that expert blows holes into the theory of where these bullets came from, and if... The expert blows holes into the theory that this was a stage thing and that there was no other car that could shoot. Nah, that listen, that trial is wide open. Okay. It's wide open. If he was cooked, he'd take the plea. They give you decent pleas in state court. There's really no room in federal court. Um, but he's got good lawyers, smart lawyers. They would give him advice. For him to take it to trial, it's because there's a lot of opportunities to show reasonable doubt. Of course, what do you think... Now, obviously, like, you won't know, but what do you think is, would be the plea if if there was, like, a plea offer to, like, my... I got no idea. That's a question yeah. for... Get Brad Cohen on here. <laughs> Celebrity Cohen. lawyer Brad Cohen. He'll tell you. I don't know. Here's uh-huh. a question I've been wondering. I'm sure everybody else at home is wondering it, too. Is a lot of what you've been doing the past couple months, is it all part of a long game where you actually want to join 4K Trey? <laughs> <laughs> um, my, the long game is to become my own criminal go-to criminal defense uh, big trial attorney. But not not specifically finding a a spot on the young boy team? I would would immediately take a spot on the young boy team. What if they tried to bring you in-house? Yeah, would that be a conflict of interest of what you're doing out here journalistically? Uh, No, I spent four days where I had several interactions with NBA young boy, and he is a dude who I have seen the people around him are impacted by his presence. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like like grown-ass men with fucking like real shit accomplishments under their belt spend days with this guy and they find more in their life really? from being around him. Wow. He's I mean is there anybody I, I don't I don't know but entertainment, right? So the way I think about entertainment is fans. Right. And the way I think about fans is quality and quantity. And if I look at the last five years and I put together a composite score of your fan base based on quality and quantity, who is fucking with Lil Top? No, he's definitely pretty much shit. No, that's a question to to the the panel. Who's messing with him in terms of who has built the biggest and best fan base? 
Anyone? Is it anyone even close? Honestly, mm. this. So, like, and his fan base is definitely, like, it's cult-like. It, like, it's it's absolutely insane. And he's seen it outside the courthouse, right? Were of you, course. Were it's you just blown away by the level of fandom that was going on out there? No, I knew. That's why I covered this case. I, but, I mean, look, I can't cover cases all day. It's not going to make me any money. I could do one, two, maybe three a year. Right. You know, and the ones that I pick are the ones where I think I can have the most impact. And unquestionably, NBA Youngboy is the most, he has the biggest and he has the best, again, based on a composite score, quality and quantity, fan base of any entertainer right. in America. I couldn't speak to the world. I don't know about BTS and how popular they are and shit, but in America, there's nobody like him. You don't what, listen to Dirk? What, what Drake? Yeah. Dirk is popular, but he doesn't, <laughs> come on, he doesn't hit NBA Youngboy levels of popularity. I mean, And I love Little Dirk. I mean, mm. his like his like his vibe right now. Right. His music, like when Dirk comes onto a track, it's dope. Yeah. But the popularity of Youngboy, numbers wise, I mean, look at the YouTube streams. Look at it's it's unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Again, like Youngboy YouTube streams are definitely up there. I would say like even you know like this year is way different. But let's say like two years ago when he was like you know like number one like every fucking week, it was because Youngboy was dropping like like videos like every month, right? So. Like, his numbers were being, you know, just just enormously greater than everybody else's. But, like, for example, like, if Drake drops a music video, say, once every six months. Right. Wait, wait, you said yeah. if. Mm-hmm. Let him do it then. Uh, yeah, that's true. Why are you going to? You can't take it away from the boy <laughs> for dropping every day. Right. Not as true. Dropping yeah. every day. Not as true. Even yeah. on house arrest, he's dropping, like, the same video yeah, over and so over. he's so consistent, man. <laughs> it's just so yeah. obviously the same house. <laughs> he's, he's so consistent. Now, do you think after this trial, like, young boy, you know, like... Is his music video is going to be absolutely void of guns whatsoever? It's his art, man. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. You think he's losing his mind in the crib, just putting on makeup and shit? Nah, nah. man. Nah, bro. That's art. Where, where did that come from? Like, because he wasn't. That's kind of. I was thinking about it last night. I feel like he might have kind of been like so isolated in the house that you know he stopped doing all the fun street stuff that he was doing and started to. Just I don't know. He's probably watching documentaries and anime and shit, and he's like, "Fuck yeah. it, I'm gonna paint my face." Yeah, listen, like he's also listen, like he's a dude who's I believe like he's 22 right now, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, he's so young to the point where yo, yo, bro, like he's still got a lot of exploring and like different interests to you know to like tap into, right? You know, he's a kid who probably got his youth taken away from him yes. due to his circumstances, right? So now he's a, a dude who's 22 years old. He's finding a lot of his new interests. Like, even, like, when I see, see like, Youngboy do a song with Lil Nas X and, you know, and, like, you know. But do you think yeah. that Youngboy will drop a song with Lil Wop? Yo, I think so. Because, yo, I think Youngboy, yo, like, folks will give him credit for this. He's really progressive. Like, like for example, most rappers would never even touch a song with Lil Nas X, you know, other rappers. But he's a dude who's shown, one, after industry too, I'm thinking outside the box, you know. So yo, like Young Boy's definitely one of one. I can definitely see him do that. I never would have guessed that Young Boy would have been at the top of the ladder of pu- pushing the gay acceptance and rap. Yo, I'm telling you, yo, but here we are. And that's why Young Boy is a very it, smart kid. Yeah, mm. he's had a lot of circumstances that have prevented him from spreading his wings, but he's a smart kid. Very and smart. And he's a strong man. You know, it's like I said, prison makes and breaks people. And I spent a couple of days on a couple of interactions. I've seen the people around him. Prison has unquestioned the times he's spent, the stints he's spent, bookended and, and sort of on both sides with incredible celebrity and fame and, and that life. Mm. And just that revolving door, prison, fame, prison, fame that he's experienced in the last four years, it has forged 
a very strong man. Mm. Uh, the chat wants to know if you have any kind of knowledge about what's going on with 42 Doug. Uh, 42, I, I don't remember it. I did a post about it. He got picked up. Oh, yeah. I don't know. He was supposed to report, and then he forgot to report. I don't know. I Follow the Instagram. I'll try to do a post out there. I don't remember what the update Look, was on him. Yeah, 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 right, because he was supposed to do like a six-month census, I think. Yeah, and then he didn't report. Yeah. There was some confusion, and then they were going to try to tag him with some more. But then he got like a pretty short sentence. Mm -hmm. There was a nice picture the other day of him in like the, 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 the compound or whatever. He looked like he was having a good time. Oh, wait, so he's actually, like, outside of jail now? He's in, like, a... No, no, he was, like, in prison, Oh, oh yeah. he was in good spirits. Gotcha, Joe. I don't think you ever have a good time in prison. Mm -hmm. This shit's not cool. I, 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 I just yeah. want to throw this out there, and I know you're not going to have any particular insight into this, but my, my girl has notified me that Ricky Martin had a seven-month affair with his 21-year-old nephew. Who's Wait, who's Ricky Martin? She bangs, she bangs. Who's Ricky Martin? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know him. Ricky he's Martin. Uh, how old are you? Latin, 24. Latin oh, yeah, pop yeah, no, star from the 90s. No, he wouldn't know Ricky Martin. He's 24. Yeah. And apparently fucks his family members. So, I mean. Well, Ricky probably had one of those, you know, Michael Jackson experiences where you just get weird because it's all too yeah. much fame. Yeah. Like Elon Musk's dad. Like, he had a baby with his stepdaughter. Yeah, but I, I mean, mean. Adam, you've been around celebrity. You know, I, I was around it this week. One of the interesting things about celebrity is. Everybody who is not bringing fame and fortune into the room steps aside for a second and lets the person bringing the fame and fortune do whatever. Do it. Yeah. Right? It's, I'm going to shut sad. the fuck up. <laughs> because I, when I, I fucking have nothing talk, to contribute. nothing really happens. <laughs> yeah. Why don't you go? Let's let you go. Right. And so we're, in a sense, always enabling celebrity. Right. And then I think Ricky went probably too far. If that happened, I don't know what happened to Ricky. But whenever right. I hear stories about... You know, so-and-so did something crazy. It's like, yeah, what the fuck you expect somebody to do when everybody treats him like that? Living la vida loca. Yeah, the guy's crazy, no, man. No, I'm just saying, that's that. <laughs> and he really was living the crazy <laughs> life. If he was fucking his 21-year-old yeah, nephew. Man. That's a crazy life. Oh, K-Flock. Woo. What's going on with K-Flock's case? Now, I even seen, like, his um, defense attorney, you know, like, they were trying, like, trying to press him. Or are you guys going to push for self-defense? or you know? And he wouldn't say it. Because even like when the thing first happened, he was saying it as if like K-Flock wasn't a shooter and there really wasn't no like footage of him actually doing the shooting. Now, you know, it's more so, yo, like they found a gun on the dude who died on the quote-unquote victim. And, yo, it might be self-defense. So, one, where do you think they're going to take it? And, two, like what's going on with the whole K-Flock case currently? Well, if they found a gun on the victim which I hadn't heard, that's big. Yeah. And then that's a state court case uh, where very, very little information has come out. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's a, it's a really up-in-the-air, wide-open case. I, I couldn't tell you an expectation at all. Yeah, right. But self-defense claims very, very unlikely in New York City, right? Hmm. That's a good question. I don't know. Hmm. Interesting. Would you advise other gang members to not commit murders in their <laughs> Amiri jeans and unreleased Jordans? I love that. I love that uh, tweet. He did. He did. What, what's the tweet? Oh, he did a drill in the Amiri's and the Montclair. Right. That's mm. a that's a good that's a good tweet. 
I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to up and wild and fast. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen to uh, Brittany? Is it Griner or Grunner? Yo, that story's fucked up. Yeah, it is. Yeah, so Brittany Griner. For those who don't know, WNBA player who apparently is three inches shy of seven feet tall. So She's 6'9", yeah. I can't even imagine what being in the same room with her would be like because it would it would be so strange to have a woman towering over me like that. But anyway, she she goes to Russia to play uh, in some kind of exhibition league or something to make extra money uh, when she's not uh, participating in the farce known as the WNBA. And she has a weed pen in her bag, and so she's picked up by Russian authorities, and she just pled guilty. And uh, could be, I think, potentially facing like 10 years in Russian prison for it or something along those lines. But it's, I guess, assumed that when she pled guilty that maybe there's some kind of deal being brokered here. Yeah, so interestingly, there was uh, a medical note. So she had a medical note for the cannabis. The report came out after she pled guilty that under the way the Russians work, if you wanted to do some sort of prisoner swap where the United States gives one prisoner and Russia gives one back, the first step is you plead guilty. So people and, are and the prisoner they're talking about is like this insane arms yes. dealer who apparently is like the kind of guy <laughs> that like foreign governments would call upon if they want to kill another yeah. leader. You know, like the most evil dude on the face of the earth in exchange for professional female athlete who apparently smokes a little bit of weed. A WNBA player. Right. <laughs> Whatever you want to call it. I, I love how this story gives you a lens into the dynamics at play between Russia and the USA. Right. Which is, yeah, you know, there's there's a certain value judgment you can ascribe to it that, wow, look at Russia. To them, the equivalent of their notorious worldwide arms dealer is a WNBA player using cannabis. Right. Which is interesting. But it also shows you the leverage. Yeah. It shows you the leverage. And that's a dangerous concept. One of the best arguments I heard against freeing her, though, is that there's a whole plethora of different, you know, Americans who are imprisoned in Russia. You know, people from armed services, all kinds of shit, like all kinds of people who realistically have probably a the the, the USA would have a a bigger obligation to free them than Britney. And that is going to make the decision that they make in terms of who they're willing to trade for her like a much bigger decision because it's like them freeing her immediately and being willing to let this fucking arms dealer out basically is them saying that she and the the public uh, image that's associated with her is more important than other people who've been locked up there way longer you know like honestly too like even if you look at it now every country has law and order so like for example, if somebody you know you know let's say like comes there with let's say like a bag of cocaine or you know pounds of cocaine, right? And they say, yo, listen, like cocaine is good where I'm from. Yo, I have a doctor's note for cocaine. You know, you know it, right. it, it like helps me sleep at night. Would then that entire country be up at arms if we imprison one of their members who had pounds of cocaine? No. So I don't quite understand. I guess why as Americans we're so up in arms about Britney. Griner, you know, being currently incarcerated. But I think part of it is that people aren't terribly up in arms. That you're not you're not hearing that much about it in comparison. People always want to draw the comparison of like if it was LeBron James. I mean, I'm sorry, LeBron James is an internationally recognized famous fucking athlete. I'm going slot for LeBron myself. It's a big difference. Correct me if I'm wrong, Flacco, but it sounds to me like what you're saying is you don't understand why we gotta give up Griner for the war criminal. Yes. I, I'll tell you why. The leverage. Mm. That's, I mean, you should be shocked. 
by that. I'm yeah. Like, wait, why? Why we got to <laughs> give this guy up for her? Yeah, you should be shocked. I'm shocked, but then we should all think about it and not be shocked and realize that we are not as big and bad as we think. Because mm. when we want something as simple as Britney Griner to get her, we have to pay in spades. That's crazy. And that's crazy and that's scary. And that's reason for everybody to tighten up what the fuck they're doing and stop fucking around with the bullshit and figure out what's going on with this country. Do you think Trump will be going harder to get her out right now? Because he, he did get Rocky's ass out of there real quick. Well, that's what Trump he did, gets though, headlines, right? bro. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. And also, I, don't, I feel like uh, Vladimir Putin kind of like owes Trump a solid. He probably would have been like, yeah, here, take her and uh, continue to never say anything negative about us ever, which was Trump's whole deal the whole time he was in office. Didn't they say, though, that Trump threatened... Like a trade war with yes, yeah, with Sweden or yeah, Switzerland, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, he probably for, did for it's Iraqi. Yeah, I mean, if Trump was currently in office now, I mean, come on now. I mean, if he takes the black vote serious enough that he did what what Mo said and basically uh, pardoned Lil Wayne and uh, and Kodak just to get. You think the, the black vote of- would increase if he gets Britney Griner out? Fuck, fuck out of here, bro. Nobody, <laughs> no, but I think, no, but I think the fuck. Rocky thing really mattered. Of course. So yes. you can kind of, even if he is solely motivated by wanting to win over black voters, I think that that probably was a wise calculation on his part. I'm guessing he did the Rocky thing because others got involved on behalf of Rocky because Rocky... Rihanna, that's a that's a high level right there. So then, okay. you know, I'm sure there were some people, maybe like a Kim Kardashian or somebody who could really lean on Trump. Right. I don't think he was doing it for Rocky. I love you, ASAP. Do think. you think that they should end the WNBA? Is this a failed experiment? Absolutely not. <laughs> you're, no. you're, in, you're in support of it. I I, I don't. I don't, I don't, I don't advocate to him that they'll be like, Nah, honestly, yo, dead ass. I went to you know one of the first games I probably ever went to was the WNBA. Um, How it was, was when it? the league was launching. I was in New York and they were doing a lot of launch events around Madison Square Garden. Mm-hmm. And I played a game of horse. They only gave you one letter, and they had like a half court set up, and there was a WNBA player, and she was just knocking people out on horse. It was dope. Wow. That's the end of the story. I wonder if, do you think that if you were considered a woman that you'd be able to do fairly well in the WNBA? You think you could dominate? I already know you're going to say yes. <laughs> hey, so, so spoiler, you know, that's something that I plan on doing where, like, I go to, like, open tryouts and, and like, identify as a trans woman. But still, if, if let's say give me, like, what, 35 minutes a game in the WNBA, now, my first year... So you won't transition until you can get a decent amount of play time? Yeah. No. no. I think that's fair. I, I, I'm just saying, right, like, like hypothetically, if you give me, let's say, 35 minutes a game in WNBA, I could put up 25 and 10. Wow. It's easy. I hope we live to see this day. It's easy. Come on, man. You're going to be the tipping point because nobody is going to respect your new identity. Yo, I seen... Besides me as your employer. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got to tell you, Flacco, sure. I don't think you should do it. Okay. Speak on it. So in America right now, we are having a conversation about gender identity. Mm-hmm. And I think anytime you have that conversation, in order to have that conversation, you have to have a modicum of decorum. Yes. I don't mean to sound like a dick, but I just mean like you have to keep the conversation in like some range. Yeah. We can't, you, we can't have some people go here with it and some people go here with it and some people go here with it. Because then we're not going to have a conversation about it. And the reality is, until you have that conversation in the way that it needs to happen, you cannot resolve 
Mm. And we have too many issues in this country that we do not resolve. Exactly. And we just leave the shit open. But I think that if Flocka were to try out for the WNBA, <laughs> that it would actually job, be an important <laughs> social experiment because it would kind of draw attention to the absurdity. I mean, we don't we don't know what's going to happen over the next 10 well, years, look, but I think you could very easily imagine a WNBA that is like largely trans women. Hey, what's your take on trans? Uh, again, I don't even know the term. So, 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 so again, I'm not even going to attempt to say this in the terms. But what's your take on biological males, right? Okay. Who, who? Okay. People who were born with a Y chromosome. What is your take on people who were born with a Y chromosome competing in sports designated for two X chromosomes? So my take on it is this: I had a very negative reaction when I understood that there was a story out there that somebody who is considered a man is saying that I believe I'm a woman and so I'm going to go compete in a sport as a woman. I didn't like that concept. Then I'll say this. There are so many members of our society who are out here saying, hey, this is a thing, right? And before any of us have an opinion on it, we have to respect the fact that there's a large contingent of our society saying that this is a thing. So, so I think that puts a, a duty on all of us to try to understand it a little bit better if we want to discuss it. Well, but and I we, honestly, I don't understand it that I way. I mean, we know it's a thing, and we know it's unfair. And that's why people are taking a stand against it, because it just, you know... Well, is that what it is? She's, like, the, the, the individual has, is a... Is a I don't even know there, like there's what been the a difference lot, is. There's been yes, a lot of yeah. different instances of you know men, men who have transitioned to women and then are basically dominating in sports. And they'll make the argument that, oh, this is not as pervasive as you're saying it is. Okay, for sure, there's not that many trans people to but be filling the these roles. Isn't that distinction between um, you know, people who sort of take on a gender identity versus some people are born trans? Of An extremely small percentage of people are born intersex. I believe so is those the case. folks, I think, deserve serious consideration and recognition and understanding. Mm-hmm. And we have to have a conversation to make sure that people in society are understanding of that and, right. and accommodating of it. But, but we're the talking about of you are born a man and then you live as a man until you are 25, and then you decide that you want to live as a woman, and then you just start whooping everybody's ass in sports. I mean, I don't I, get that. I'm somebody who's who's very much in favor of you know uh, homosexuals and LGBTQ people having. all all the rights that everybody else does. And I also have a huge amount of respect for trans people. I've had plenty of trans people on the show. I think that if our goal is to make a society in which trans people are treated fairly by everybody else, that the sports thing is an issue in which I think it would be very wise for the trans community to just kind of back up and just take an L and just realize that Normal society is never going to accept the idea of somebody who went through puberty as a man and then enters into swimming and basically just dominates everybody. It's just so obviously unfair. It's a losing issue. They should retreat. They should hand this issue over. People really fight on it. They say that if somebody chooses to then become a woman that they should Oh, yes. And what I just said makes me a transphobe. And I fully expect to be called such. But I think anybody who's calling a person a transphobe for having that viewpoint... And we, I mean, maybe you can invite me to a conversation, but I don't understand that. I, I, I don't understand that. Hey, so we're gonna take you out of the young boy uh, <laughs> courtroom and we're gonna put you in like the no, right? No, so, so I understand that there's yeah. men, there's women, and there's trans, and I think all three of those should be treated equally. And I think we have to have a conversation when I you agree. have male and female leagues. 
what do you do if you have a trans participant? Mm. Exactly, because there was like the male swimmer who who we all know. He was ranked she, she Leah Thomas. She she was ranked four hundred and like fifty when she competed with the males. She transitioned into female swimming and she became like 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 top dog number one, right? So when you look at that. They took a, the medal away, right? The, yeah. the state said, we're not going to give you the medal. Uh, did they take the medal away, or did they just change? I, th- I feel like the swimming they're association banned her now. changed yeah. it. Yeah, they banned her now. Uh, well, but, I mean, that to me is, is – the, the problem is not just that it's happening. The problem is that the women, the biological women on the, the team – felt like they couldn't speak out about it because they would be publicly smeared as, as you know, hate mongers. And so they had to put out this big anonymous uh, letter basically expressing the viewpoint. And when you watch some of these interviews with women who, like, competed in sports all through their life and were totally, like, robbed of the ability to compete in a fair environment, it's hard to imagine that these groups of feminists who claim that they care so much about women could see that and not realize how fucked up it is that some of these women are having this potential career path taken from them. You know, if you take out the the unfair advantage, would you still support it? Like, for example, if a female was transitioning to a male and she wanted to compete with men, would you allow it? Yeah. Well, I don't I, think she'd I, get into the league. Right. Exactly. If you take out the, yeah. you have to be good enough to get it. Yeah. Yeah, right. So, yeah, right. So, like, we're not anti that. Right. We're just anti, like, like the unfair advantage. I mean, one confers an advantage and one confers a disadvantage in really every sport that you could think of. A guy is yeah. going to have an advantage for the most part. I mean, yeah. I don't really know what the situation might be in which a woman transitioning to male would have an advantage. Mm-hmm. But if that did exist, then I think that that would be worth exploring. But or, I can't really think of it. No, or like, better yet. After she transitions, should she still be allowed to compete with other females? If she but starts I'm not, out, yeah. I'm not sure what we're saying transitioning is. If it's just a, a personal choice that you make about how you identify, then yeah. Hormone therapy. You oh, know, well, I don't understand the therapy stuff. Mm, and how that works. We're, we're out of his depth. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> let's, let's, let's stop trying to get him canceled yeah, right no, now. Right? <laughs> yo, yo I, I feel like I might have gotten canceled. Yeah. And like, there's been like seven times this interview I'm trying not to get canceled. Me and Flacco, we can have our whole little red pill discussion on our own. I'm oh, a real attorney. No cameras. Like, I'm like an me, actual lawyer. Me and King Croc are actually filming uh, the first episode tonight, you know, so hopefully. You of your, uh, your plug talk imposter? Yes. Oh. It's hot. Um, okay, Mo, appreciate you coming on. Uh, what do you want the people to uh, tap in with? Like, what, 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 are you, what are you pushing right now? Pushing P. No, um, <laughs> I don't know, man. Tap in with my Instagram and my TikTok. It's at Lawyer for Workers. Uh, the number four. I don't need y'all to tap in. Nothing. Right? I, I just want to say to Adam, man, I don't know if you know this, Adam. Well, you know this because I told you before, right. but we didn't get it on camera. Adam is a big reason why I make social media content. And wow. And I saw Adam on YouTube several years ago when I was thinking I should make content. So let me start uh, doing more watching stuff, right, and understand the medium. So I'm bumming around on YouTube, and I came across Adam going around the Brooklyn streets with Takashi 69 and his crew and, and, and inserting himself. You were a lot skinnier back then, right? Before he was a blood. Uh, a little skinnier. 
Yeah, inserting yourself into these stories and chronicling them, and it captivated me because several years prior, I was in those same streets of Bushwick and hanging out with Das Racist. Right, which is crazy for any rap fans out there who remember Das Racist. The fact that you were running around with them, what a, what a bizarre connection that I never yeah. would have expected. Yeah, I actually got some hip-hop roots. My guy Hema is a gro- childhood friend of mine. He was, the uh, I think, the most successful before rap, before NAV the most successful Indian rapper Mm. and that we took a lot of pride in that. Um, So anyway, I saw your videos and it reminded me of my days running around Bushwick with Das Racist and the guys. Right. And, and, and yeah, I kind of really grew an affinity to your videos. I watched a bunch of them and, and I basically followed the exact same script. I said, look, here are characters doing amazing things. Let me insert myself into the story and give a little window into this world to the the social media world and and i did that and Mm. i don't know if i would have done it if i didn't see your youtube man wow i appreciate it man that's 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 crazy to to know that it was that influential in such a different lane i just i want to say this i kind of like envision a future in which all the rap media companies have to have lawyer consultants on deck to help them make sense of all the shit that's going on with all these different artists and stuff would you say that's accurate well, hopefully rappers, entertainers, and society at large is seeing how easily it is to get caught up in the criminal justice system. True. And that hopefully they can, you know, despite the difficulties as a circumstance and you can't leave where you came from, I get all that. But listen, you got to find a way to make art without getting locked up. Mm. And, and I hope that we can find uh, more of that. But uh, just truth be told, absolutely. There are more arrests. We are seeing them at a extremely fast rate. And it's kind of surprising that uh, that hasn't happened, but I think it'll happen. Right. Well, we appreciate your time. Thank you very much, uh, Flacco. Thank you for your time as well. Yeah, man. Yeah, yep. I appreciate you, Flacco. Flacco, I'm going to be honest with you. Probably 90% of the comments are about your knee. What? Why my knee? I don't know. They just, they fucking with it. Yo, I will say this, though. He's tall as fucking person, too. Yo, young boy is real big, too. He's a lot taller than you think. He's grown a lot in the last couple of years. What, really? What's your actual height? I'm 6'3". Six 6'3", three. Six three, same. No. Tw- twinning. If he's 6'3", you're 6'4". Possibly. Oh, my God. You're always trying to fucking compare people's heights. Right? It's so funny. No, because you're taller than, like, Adam. <laughs> he's young always six trying three to now? pit people against him. Yo, Flacco. Is I young boy 6'3"? You, young boy, he's probably 6'1", uh, I'd say. I don't know. Wow. I haven't seen Young Boy in probably at least like three, four years in, in person. But when, you know, knowing how huge he is now, it makes me look back at the times because like I used to just be like in the studio at Atlantic, and he would just be recording, and I would just be like sitting on the couch chilling because he wasn't that huge yet. You know, he's like popular, but it wasn't like out of control. You know, and I would just be seeing him recording and stuff. And you know, one one young boy tidbit that I'll share with you guys that I always thought was really interesting, and I don't know if he's still like this, but at this time, it was almost like a little sense of like insecurity in his recording process mm-hmm. because he would be sitting right next to the the engineer uh, recording, like with the mic set up like this. And he would say a bar and it's like he, he would kind of like look at the engineer for like approval after each bar, like to make sure that they fucked with it. Really? And the engineer obviously is just like saying, yeah, that was that was good. Like yeah. over and over because it was good. Like his music is just naturally really good. But I just remember thinking that I was very ah. perhaps telling about young boys as as much as like he's the fucking king of the world right now and one of the most popular artists in the game. Like 
you know, he, that's he's a fact. still kind of like looking for that recognition from this engineer guy. Not the recognition, the the openness to yeah. to saying, "Hey, man, I don't know it all. What it, do you think?" It's like he he wanted to have a creative partner in his music making at that moment. Yeah, yeah. actually, that tidbit. You know what the first thing he said to me? I came into the court, um, and I had known Montana from the last hearing in Baton Rouge. Uh-huh. And so I came into the court and they did the thing and then everybody breaks. And Montana's like, yo, he wants to talk to you for a second. And that's what he asked. He said, hey, what do you think? Mm. What do you think about all this? And it shows you, you know, the individual, the, the brains, the intellect, that I could think I know everything or I could go ahead and, and open myself up yes. and listen. And he listens. He listens a lot to mm. a lot of people. I, I got a lot of faith uh, in his future. He's going to be great. He's the GOAT, man. He's the GOAT. Shout out, young boy. <laughs> Shout out, Mo. Shout yeah. out, Flacco. Appreciate you guys. No Jumper, coolest podcast in the world. Check us out on YouTube, TikTok, Patreon, Instagram, all of that. Like, comment, and subscribe. Nojumper.com if you want to support. Shout out to everybody who was in the chat with us during all this yeah. as well. We appreciate uh, any inspiration that we took for topics. Yeah, man. Young boy better. Appreciate y'all. Peace. Yes.